Hello, Slate listeners. Do us a favor and help us make a better Slate by answering our survey. It'll only take a few minutes. You can find it at slate.com slash survey. Physical grunt work is hard for me to, it's hard for me to type, for example. And those, those little digs at your own self-esteem become really essentially emasculating. And you go from peak mojo to low mojo or no mojo over time. Now, how do my kids look at me? What do they think about me? My son, actually, this week, he's seven years old, funny and cute and everything. And he said, I wish you were better so you'd be more fun. And he, he meant it in a good way. But even saying now, it's, you know, it's hard here. This is Vivek, and he's talking about living his life with Parkinson's. He was first diagnosed in 2012, the day after his third kid was born. And obviously, it was a big blow. He had plans for the kind of dad that he was going to be. You can hear his heartbreak in his voice now because living with this illness means there's just some things that he can't do. It's little tasks like buttoning your own shirt, tying your shoes, even walking in a straight line that's become a constant reminder of his new limits. He wants to project this image of a healthy, present, reliable man to his wife and kids, the way he felt before he was diagnosed. He's just not sure how. Hello and welcome to Man Up. I'm your host, Eamon Ismail, and on this show, we crack questions big and small about manhood. This week, getting back your mojo after being diagnosed with a chronic illness. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Did I say your name right, Vivek? Vivek. It's, unfortunately, Ron's a mistake. I, can't think, I cannot think of a better way to say that, unfortunately. Dude, my name is Eamon, and I just tell people it rhymes with Matt Damon. Super <laughs> Vivek is 45 years old. People diagnosed with Parkinson's are typically in their 60s, so to get it in his 30s, he was quite young. He was diagnosed almost eight years ago, and because Parkinson's is a neurodegenerative disorder, he's gradually getting worse. He feels as if losing his mojo, as he puts it, was only the first step. And now, things can only get worse. You use the words peak mojo. What does that mean? <laughs> peak mojo. So, peak mojo to me was when I was really hitting on all cylinders. Things were going really well on so many different fronts. You know, I'd, I'd gone to grad school. I'd worked at a, consult, a prestigious consulting firm, and I married a beautiful doctor, and you know, if you can't be a doctor, you marry one, and that's what I did. <laughs> it sounds like you had a lot of big plans for your future. Yeah, I mean, I had some ideas. I wanted to start a business. I didn't start one, but I joined our family business, which is home building, and that was also a great move. I mean, I felt good about it. It was time for me to do it. It was it was my choice to join. Mm. I just felt good about myself. Yeah. Um, 
when I think about Parkinson's, I think about Michael J. Fox. Is that what you're going through right now? Like, could you just describe what the symptoms are? You know, Michael J. Fox moves a lot, as you know. He has kind of the the large, uncontrolled movements, which is actually a symptom of the medication. It's actually not the disease itself. The disease makes you not move, and the medicine clumsily makes your brain move. So what happens is a lot of people have, you have cramping, all these kind of things that are in some cases public, but many cases are not public. Because when you see Michael J. Fox moving around like that, that's one thing. But when you see somebody not moving around, say Muhammad Ali, yeah. he wasn't moving much, but that actually hurts a lot. There's a lot of pain associated with that kind of a state of being, and people don't see the pain. And that really becomes very difficult to deal with. Is Because people oh, you look good. I'm like, yeah, I don't feel good. <laughs> uh, yeah. But that just becomes difficult to relate to people who are around you because you get fatigued and so on. For about two years, I slept on an average of about two and a half hours a night. Oh, man. And that's going to hurt after some time. Yeah. And then it started getting even worse and really dark. And that's when I switched. I Thank God I was, I think I, I ran out of medicine for a little while and I was like, whoa. I had a few days of being able to not have it and realize that that's really bad and I need to change. Mm-hmm. And maybe be more public. Maybe I'll start shaking more. Maybe I'll look a little bit more like Michael J. Fox. Yeah. But that becomes the tra- these these kind of uh, you're training of one evil for another. So what happened to that mojo we were talking about? Like <laughs> what, uh, what it, changed? So the mojo was the weight gain is part of it. Mm-hmm. Being tired, being fatigued. The especially when I changed my medication, I, I lost thirty pounds and started exercising. I looked good, but the progression had occurred, and I started doing, having these shakes. And people say, you know, "Are you okay? What's wrong?" And as opposed to as opposed to somebody looking at me and saying, oh, this is a charming guy, or this is an attractive guy, or whatever else is, oh, what's wrong with him? Is everything okay? Mm-hmm. And I, and you know, maybe some of that was in my head, but that gets in the way of mojo, big yeah. time. Yeah. In terms of how it affects my family, that really gets in the way. How am I as a leader of the company? You know, when I have my employees looking at me about what to do, or maybe doing it myself, I'm not able to do it as much myself as I was before. Even trivial tasks become difficult about how you clean and all those kinds of things. What I'm getting from you is it's these small problems that add up and have these big consequences. Talk to me about those big consequences. Yeah, so the big, that's a great way to say it. It's, they do add up and they're continuous more or less. It's sometimes you get a reprieve from some symptom or another. Mm. But what it means is that I have to face the future, right? I have to... I, I know what's coming in a, in the general sense. Uh, things progress as a progressive disease. Things get worse over time, and so what that means is, as you have these little things that are happening, is one is trying to deal with them in real time, but the other is being responsible about the future. About how do you think about the future and how do you plan for it without letting it consume you and seeming like a hopeless task. Do you mind if I ask you about how it's affected your sex life at all? Of course, no, no, I mean that's fine. It, it, it's hard to be confident. You know, it's hard to initiate when I'm asking for so many favors and I'm putting so much of a burden on her. Um, that becomes a real difficult ask, really. Of you know, you want to connect with your spouse in, in whether it's sex or whether it's just emotional intimacy. It's you know, she she's a long long day helping take care of so many different things that we 
have to deal with that she has to deal with really because I can't. Um, there's other things that happen with, with Parkinson's as it relates to that, whether it's erectile dysfunction, what have you. Thank God that's not there yet. I'm sure it'll happen at some point. But um, it's the biggest thing really is self-perception, right? If you carry yourself with confidence, other others are usually more receptive to your advances, whether they're sexual or otherwise. I, I just feel so bad for her, honestly. At the end of the day, what am I? You kind of like, what am I putting her through? I've asked her before. I said, "Why are you still married to me?" <laughs> you didn't ask her that. Come on. I did. I did. Believe it or not, I did this year even. Wow. I said, "Yeah." I, kind of like, if you could get out, why wouldn't you get out? And, you know, she was mad at me for asking, of course. We talk a lot on this show about how we perform our masculinities. I'm wondering how has living with Parkinson's changed your ideas of how to perform manhood? I, I looked at myself originally as kind of the strongest, most promising male in the family uh, to being almost immediately like an aging father. I'm kind of watching the world go by a bit and fast forward. Oh, um, but it, what it means is not doing stuff myself, right? I spend more time at home. I've hired somebody to help me run the company. And what I've noticed is that the stuff I'm doing at home that I think my wife appreciates more is actually not the exciting stuff, not the, you know, let's build this and let me uh, go and clear some brush, <laughs> you know, that kind of stuff. Mm. But actually some of the more humdrum things like, you know, I'm at home more so I can spend more time trying to do the things that I don't do as efficiently, like cleaning up or helping organize or helping the kids with their homework or taking them away somewhere for, you know, just making dinner sometimes. And, you know, these things take longer now for me, you know, but I devoted the time to kind of make up for that fact. And again, it, it doesn't feel the same, but I'm trying to have it be rewarding nonetheless. What do you think will help you cope with being diagnosed with Parkinson's or are you sure. looking to get your mojo back, or what exactly are you looking for? <laughs> if you have a way to help me do that, man, I would uh, <laughs> I'd be eternally grateful. Uh, there, I mean, yeah, maybe there is a little bit of that. Actually, you know, come to think of it, I guess how do I recognize the future without resigning myself to it? Because it's a really scary balance. Um, mm. How do I remain like relevant? to my coworkers and my friends and my wife and my family. Mm -hmm. How do I live in this world, given that's who I, you know, I'm a 45-year-old with Parkinson's, it's not normal. And there's just, I don't know, I'm still struggling with that. And I, th I, th I think you're right, I think if I can get some of that mojo back, and I think it's related to this maybe, you know, kind of, who am I now in this world? Which I know a lot of people have to struggle with all the time. But I think I'm just forced to have to deal with this change and this continuing change. We're going to take a short break. And when we come back, we'll hear from someone who discovered how to turn his years after being diagnosed with Parkinson's into the best years of his life. Spoiler, it involves American Ninja Warrior. But first, I wanted to do a quick call out for the folks who'd be interested on in coming on this show to talk through how they too see their manhood as a work in progress. Or maybe someone you know could use some help. No subject is too big or too small. We'll hook you up with someone who's been there and we'll learn a lot in the process together. So give us a call at 805-626-8707. That's 805-MANUP07. Or you can always email us at manup at slate.com. 
Stick around. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Could you relate to what Vivek is saying at all here? Oh, word for word. Wow. You know, I've been there, I've been diagnosed now since 2003, 17 years I've been living with this disease. Every word that he's mentioned is something that I've gone through either at one point in my life or I am still going through today. Um, So I can relate to you 100%. Jimmy Choi is a beast. There's just no other way to describe him. He was diagnosed with Parkinson's at age 27. 27. And as the years went on, his symptoms got worse and worse. By age 34, he was walking with a cane. Two years after that, he ran his first marathon. Then he ran 14 more, an ultramarathon, multiple Spartan races, and in 2017, he was competing on American Ninja Warrior. He's been on that show every year since. Could you just describe what your life was like when you were at peak mojo? Um, You know what? I'm going to be very honest with you and tell you I'm at peak mojo right now. <laughs> nice. That's, give me some of that. You, you know what? <laughs> <laughs> That's, uh, it, it's, it, people look at me and they think you're crazy, right? But, you know, let's, let's look at this from all facets. Um, I am financially independent. I am more fit now than I ever was. Uh, even, I, I was a three-sport kid in high school. I was a captain of the football team. But I am more fit now than I was back in high school. My friends and family, my inner circle, has never been closer to me uh, than before. My community that I have built around myself, right? And this is important because when you, you need to start building that community around you. Uh, surround yourself with other people who are like-minded. And you know what? I, I'm not going to lie to you. Right now, actually sitting in my house, I've got three other people with Parkinson's in their 40s and early 50s who are downstairs in my basement, swinging around on, on, on ninja obstacles, okay? And they all have lived with this disease for, I think, on an average of 6 to 12 years. Um, so you surround yourself with people just like you. That way you can share experiences. You can share things that work. I have a question. I want to really understand how that happened, like how that became your peak post uh, Parkinson's. Is it more to do with just time? Because I know that you also experienced uh, what your wife called like the dark days, the dark period. Mm-hmm. Or is there some kind of journey that you went on, something like uh, something that triggered this kind of re- revolution in your I, mindset? It, it really is about the journey. When I was diagnosed in 2003, I was 27 years old. And that first eight years of my life with Parkinson's, I did absolutely nothing to educate myself on the disease, right? I knew Michael J. Fox had it. I took a pill or two or 16 to be exact. I took 16 pills a day and I just went on and I lived and I figured, you know what, if I ignored it, it would just go away. And of course, as you mentioned, it doesn't go away. But then, you know, at some point I hit rock bottom. 
and that was when I fell down. I fell down the stairs carrying my infant son at the time. Oh. So this was in 2010. My son was just a little less than one year old. And we fell down the stairs, and my wife and my daughter uh, witnessed it. Uh, when I looked up and saw their faces, it was just one of horror. I knew then something had to change. I was 240 pounds. I was really overweight. I walked with a cane because I couldn't keep my balance. Um, and I was just in my mid-30s, and, I, I, and this is not the life that I had envisioned for myself and my wife when we got married. Uh, sort of with the things that you're, you're looking for, how to stay relevant. Um, and how to be a leader in, in the workplace. Growing up, I, I, had a fa- I worked in the family business as well. I left my professional life and um, worked in the family business. I've owned uh, restaurants with my family. But um, one thing that I realize now that I didn't know before is that the more that I shared my story, not with the general public, but with the people who I considered my inner circle, my immediate family, uh, my closest friends, the people that work for me. The more I shared my story with them, the more they know about the disease and the, they, the more that they know about how I live with Parkinson's, the better understanding that they have and the, the better understanding that they know what you can take on. It can also help them better understand whether or not sometimes if it's you talking or if it's the Parkinson's talking. You know, so just listening to you speak, it, it's, it, it's brought me back in, in terms of my own disease and my own life progression up to this point. Yeah, you're saying that you're, you, with your inner circle, how you're more open about what you're going through, which I, you know, that's where I have so much trouble, especially because these are people I care about the most, who care about me the most, who can get hurt by watching me go through some of these things. How do you do it in a way that people see the real, what's going on, but they, it's not depressing them and it's not resulting pity because i don't want pity and i don't want people to be depressed for me today i share everything everything that i'm feeling if i'm if i'm not feeling well i will tell my kids hey you know what we i don't want to play right now daddy can't play right now because i I just simply can't and they understand that you mentioned you have young kids i have a 12 year old and a 10 year old myself um but they understand that but only because they they haven't lived a life where they have not known me to live without parkinson's now, when I say your inner circle, um, and this scene probably is very familiar with you, it's like gatherings at parties, right? Um, there's always that awkward, I call it the, the Parkinson's elephant in the room, where somebody <laughs> comes up to you. It could be your best friend. It could be your brother or sister. And say, hey, how's it going? And you, know, you really don't know what to say. So you say, yeah, I'm good. I'm fine. And then you just kind of stare at each other, nodding, and then you kind of walk your separate ways, right? And then you kind of avoid each other. You avoid that topic. <laughs> now, what if that conversation, was that familiar to you? Is that, is that the chuckle? Yeah, various, various. Yeah. I, never, I never know what to say. <laughs> yeah, you never know what to say. But now, what if, we, what if we just change that conversation a little bit, right? And I always try to describe things to them in, in everyday terms. Like, okay, dystonia, ever had a, a feeling of Charlie Horse? Yeah, you know that feeling? Now imagine having that for four hours. Right. Uh, it's, there's, there's more of a shock and awe. It, you know, um, holy crap, four hours of Charlie horses. That's, that's terrible. Right. But at the same time, I tell them that, you know, but I'm not experiencing that right now. And then I'll also let them know how I deal with it when it happens. Okay. Hey, you know, if you ever see me move very slowly, okay, uh, that's an indication that dystonia is, is on set. If you ever see me doing this. So again, you're giving them little tidbits of information 
that they may not use right away. But the next time they see you and you're moving a little bit slow, they're like, oh, that must be that dystonia thing that he's talking about. Then you know what? Let's walk slower with him today as we talk and walk. Instead of on other days then where you're moving better, then they can just be themselves with you. If they understand just by, by if they can identify what you're going through, then that awkwardness melts away. It's slowly uh, diminished over time because they understand what you're going through from a symptom, visual symptom perspective. Okay. And it's things about like making little changes that add it up. You know, we talked about, you know, you, you talked about having these, these little things around your life that added up and became a burden to your friends and your family, especially your, your, your wife. Mm-hmm. Now you can start making small changes that add up to remove the burden, so to speak, in other ways. It may not be, I still can't tie my shoes. I'll be honest. My shoes are untied right now as, as I'm looking down. Um, but other things that I can do, and you already mentioned, like spending more time with the kids, um, you know, being there in person with them and being yourself in front of them really takes a lot of that physical burden away. We're going to take another short break. Stick around. I want to really circle back to what Vivek was talking about earlier. It sounds like one of his core issues was he was having a hard time dealing with the ways that an illness like Parkinson's could make him dependent on other people. Do you have advice to make him more comfortable with asking for help? Um, yeah, you know, my, my best advice for, for asking for help is to ask for help. <laughs> I saw that coming for some reason. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's simple, right? Uh, you, you mentioned already that you've gotten really good at simplifying your life. Um, well, continue to do that. Continue to simplify your life. Um, and I'm not saying, like, completely don't help out. You're going to do what you can. My right. wife always says um, that when other people ask her, you know, well, how do you, how do you deal with Jimmy when he's uh, off? Well, the real answer is she gives is always, you know what? I let him fail at the things that he tries to do, and then I help him. So now I know he can't handle X, Y, and Z because I have let him fail. Mm. Okay. Um, and you mentioned your wife doesn't know whether or not she can help you at, in certain situations. This is something that you have to speak to her about. Hey, honey, sweetie, you got to let me try these things. And then if I fail, then step in. One question I wanted to circle back on that we were talking about earlier is this question of sex and how, you know, so much of at least my manhood is predicated on the fact that I'm an attractive partner and I'm a desirable. And I think Vivek had a similar concern. I wonder if you can relate to that at all. And maybe you can walk us through... How you cope with that? Yeah, uh, you know, I, I say this jokingly um, because we all laughed about it. But I, you know, I talk about, hey, you know what? I've got my mojo right now, right? Because yeah. I, I mentioned I'm in the best physical shape of my life right now. I've got a, you know, I've, I've got, I've got a six pack, and you know, from from a visual perspective, right? Then that might seem like I'm at the peak. Yeah. But in reality, things are changing in my body. I know that I don't move the way that I used to move uh, when it comes to small, smaller, more intimate types of movements. But, you know, at the same time, you, you have to communicate that, right? 
for example, we talked about dystonia. Um, when dystonia hits, and if you happen to be in, in, in the middle of, of sex or, or, or whatever it might be, um, the same, certain positions you might be in might be uncomfortable, which is going to affect your performance, right? But if sometimes a slight shift, just a small shift in your leg, in your, in your body, in your position, relieves a lot of that tension, a lot of that pain within your body, and then that allows you to perform better. Um, but if that means moving away from a position that you guys are used to for the last 15, 20 years, then you got to communicate that. And, and we all know being intimate is just that. You need to be intimate. You need to communicate these little things, um, no matter how small or meaningless they might seem like at the time. You just need to communicate these things and, and make adjustments, both if you have to make adjustments. And then that way you can find the best situation for that particular moment. Is that a similar approach to how you took on marathons? You know, like, I know you, you like mentioned that you started running and trying to get back into your physical shape, but it wasn't just that. You ran like 13 marathons and competed in triathlons and became an American Ninja Warrior sensation, like legit. <laughs> how did that happen? Was it just small increments? It was, abs- it's absolutely that. Everything is in small increments. When I first started running, it was 2012 is when I really first started running. And I started with just going once around the block. Remember, I used to walk with a cane. I can't go from canes to marathons and, you know, overnight. Right. I would walk around the block. And then when I have more confidence, then I would try to go twice around the block. And then that twice around the block became jogging. And that jogging became running. And then I started adding distances. Um, it's breaking things down into small obtainable goals. Let's look at last month. I hung out with my friends only once. You know what? Maybe this month I'm going to hang out with my friends twice. That way we don't lose touch. Okay? And when I say friends, I mean, again, your close inner circle. Um, maybe I took my kids to the park once last week. This week, let's take them twice to the park. And a couple of things happen when you, re- when you achieve these tiny goals, right? Number one, confidence. Um, hey, yeah. I, set out, I, set, I set a goal and I hit it. That felt great. Okay. Uh, second thing that happens is when you set for set goals for yourself is self-esteem, right? Holy crap, I did it, you know. And then now you want to you want to start talking about it more to your inner circle, your your wife, your friends. Hey, I did this, this, and I did that. So now they know the things that you can do, so they don't think that you are useless, right? I used to think people think I'm useless all the time, but now they know I'm not useless because I can do these things, right? But at the same time, every once in a while, when you have your setbacks, you share those too, right? Because just because I'm an American Ninja Warrior, I still can't tie my shoe, <laughs> right? Right. I like that. You know, one thing that's kind of buried in there is when you were talking before in our conversation about talking to your friends about how they can help you and you know, when I'm like this, I need help with this. And I like that, but that's still saying what you can't do. And I like that idea of like, Tell them what you can do and have something that you can Absolutely. do and being able to talk in a more positive way about something you've been able to gain as opposed to have to lose. Because Parkinson's, is, I feel, is, is a constant loss. Uh, it's nice to have some gains in there. Yeah, yeah it, it's, it's, a, it, it's a progressive degenerative disease, right? Um, it's always taking. It's always taking. Um, even if you can maintain something, that's a win. You know, I'm wondering if we're maybe thinking about it wrong because I keep trying to wrap my head around how do we cope? How do we cope? Am I thinking about that wrong? Like, should we be looking for other kinds of solutions other than just coping with the illness? 
I like, I like that idea. <laughs> it's yeah. a very different way than I've thought about it, but that's a very interesting idea. No, and I'll tell you what, if, if, if I look back at my, my first eight years compared to my last nine years, and that really is the biggest difference, is first eight years I did nothing, and I took a pill thinking that that pill is going to make everything better. And I'm just trying to exist in, in, in this world. I, didn't, I wasn't living. Now I'm trying to live, right? But yeah, there's always that un- uncertainty of the future, you know, what's going to happen to my family? What's going to happen to me in the future? Well, you always have to worry about that. At the same time, let's not worry about it to the point where you forget to live. So let's live now, right? And that's how you thrive, as, as you just mentioned. That's how you really thrive if you can live right now. For me, living right now is doing the best that I can, trying to get back on American Ninja Warrior for, for this coming year. Um, that's thriving, uh, sharing that passion with my daughter who also competes on American Ninja Warrior, but the junior version of the show, um, <laughs> sharing that passion with my daughter and, and, and that's thriving. Uh, any quote unquote healthy human being still has to worry about their future because it is uncertain. Nobody knows what their future holds, but let's not forget to live. Yeah. And it will also help those around you see the positive side in you, right? Forget the disease. They will see the positive side in you. Wow. And remember, what we're trying to do is we're trying to help others still know us, not Parkinson's, right? We don't want to be defined by that disease. We want to be, we want to live and thrive despite Parkinson's. That's a great way to frame it, Eamon. I like that. Uh, I like that way. I feel like running a marathon right now, actually. I'm kind of like the, the Rocky theme song in the background. And Are you thinking about installing some ninja gear in, uh, in your basement? I, I, I do rock climbing, indoor rock climbing quite oh, awesome. regularly, but um, now I think I need to bring it a little closer to home. And that's the show. Thank you so much for listening. If you're enjoying it, please hit us with that good rating in your podcasting app. Also, we still need your help to figure out what we're talking about next. We're looking for folks who wouldn't mind coming on the show to explain how they too are a work in progress. So if you think that's you, call us at 805-626-8707. That's 805-MANUP07. Or you can always email us at manup at slate.com. And don't forget to make sure you're subscribed. This is important because we've got new shows every week and I'd hate for you to miss out. Man Up is hosted and written by me, Eamon Ismail. It's produced by Cameron Drews. Our editors are Jeffrey Bloomer and Lowen Liu. Gabriel Roth is the editorial director of Slate Podcasts, and June Thomas is a senior managing producer of Slate Podcasts. We'll be back next week with more Man Up. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. 
No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.